This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and ideas for building happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should pay attention to the light, and we'll talk about a hack related to April Fool's Day. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I have very happy memories of the April Fool's jokes that you and Dad used to play on each other. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, <laughs> a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Scratch, one time in particular, Dad really got me good. <laughs> I remember it well. I believe it was uh, that you had uh, the alarm had not gone off, so you didn't have enough time to get ready for school. Yes, and I lost my mind. You did. <laughs> It was Apparently, I've always cared about being prompt. <laughs> All right. Well, Gretchen, we have to say happy birthday to Eliza. It's her 18th birthday today. Yes. Unbelievable. You know, I had that video that I wrote about her, the days are long, but the years are short. And when I wrote yes. it, she was three years old. And uh, I could never have imagined that she would one day be 18. Mm. And now that day mm. has come. Amazing. Wow. Yep. It's a milestone for both of you. Yes, and if you want to hear her view of it, you can listen to her podcast, Eliza Starting at 16, because she started when she was 16, um, and she's wow. still going and report, you know, uh, reporting on um, how life looks through the eyes of a teenager. Yeah, and it's Tripod. So, you know, this is the month when everybody who listens to podcasts is encouraged to help other people discover podcasts, how to listen to them, what to listen to. So Eliza Starting at 16 is one podcast you could think of. Yeah, Gretch. And as part of Tripod, we also ask people um, to tell us what they do while they're listening to podcasts. Yes. And we got a ton of responses. There uh, is a lot of pairing podcasts with working out at the gym. Yeah, that was big. Some listeners sent photos to show us what they were doing while they listened. Um, Rebecca was a graphic designer who listens to our podcast, and she sent a picture of herself at her desk, and it was cool to see what she was working on. And Carolyn yeah. wrote... 
I'm walking today in beautiful Morrow Bay with the mother and baby otters in the water with this gorgeous photo with all these otters in the water. It was amazing. I mean, this was an interesting uh, response from Haley. She said, I use a few of your happiness tools when it comes to listening to my podcasts. I only listen to podcasts during the week when I am commuting to and from work. That's pairing. Yeah, that's Haley. That is the strategy Mm -hmm. of pairing. Not only does this give me something to look forward to on Monday, which helps me to fight the Sunday blues, which Mm. Elizabeth, you and I talked about in episode 48, but it also helps me transition into the work week much more easily. I've also found that I can really only concentrate and retain information on on podcasts in the car. I usually only listen to music in the car on the weekends. On Friday afternoon, I download some new music that I'm interested in. That's Treat Yourself. Then I blast mm-hmm. it on my way home from work on Friday, which in turn helps me get pumped for the weekend ahead. So I love that Haley was like using so many happiness strategies around listening to the podcast. So that was terrific. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, We heard from Allison, who I think is typical of our listeners about how she is listening to the podcast. She says, I walk the dogs, cook, clean, work out and drive. Generally podcasts when I drive, not audiobooks due to possible distractions of the book. It makes the time go faster. And before I know it, I'm done with whatever chore I had to get done. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, a lot of people walk the dog. Yeah. That is a big one. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we had Wendy who had did something more unusual while listening to the podcast. She said, I like to listen to it while hula hooping. <laughs> I'm an experienced hula hooper and I can hula hoop through the entire podcast without <laughs> stopping. Although sometimes I do stop to make a note or two to remind me of things you have said. <laughs> so, Wendy, I love that um, image, and um, that is fantastic. Yes, yeah, no, it's, it was so fun to hear what people are doing. I, I love Elizabeth being able to sort of envision listeners and what and what they're doing in their day while they're while they're listening to the podcast. So, thank you, everybody who let us know. Yes, and this week, Elizabeth, the try this at home is to pay attention to the light. Yes. Now, what does this mean, Gretch? It's, it sounds um, it sounds like we could be on our deathbed here. Like, look at look toward the light. What what are you saying with this? Well, you know, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is people really want to be present in the moment. They talk a lot about wanting to mindfully connect to the present and to their body. And I have been thinking a lot about really how you can use the body to reach the mind and how you can mindfully connect with what what's happening to you physically. You know, your physical body is always going to influence your emotional self. And so part of this is ever since I wrote Happier at Home, I've been obsessed with the sense of smell. I, you know, as you know, I'm like this mm-hmm. perfume fanatic and I'm obsessed with the sense of smell. And lately I've been obsessed with color, just the the richness and the this, the fascinating aspects of color. And when you think about color, it leads you straight to light. Because really, without mm-hmm. without light, there is no color. Like, literally, there is no color. And thinking about light is this sort of meditative, peaceful way, I think, to key into your surroundings. And yeah, it's funny because light is a big topic in Hollywood, of course. Oh. Lighting, as they say, lighting is everything. Oh. You know, something can appear beautiful or ugly entirely based on the light that is put put on it with the reflections. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think of it that way, too. It just like anything that you're looking at is is very much affected by the light. And so do you feel like it's made you like in your house? Well, because like in New York City, people are obsessed with the light that their that their yes. apartments get because it's very it's very easy to get really bad light. And so um, people talk about it all the time. Do you feel like in your in your life it's been influenced by your career that you just 
think about the light more often just as you go through your day? Uh, I think sometimes I do for sure, because I know how important it is. It's like we say all the time, lighting is everything. Yeah. But I also think for for me, I mean, I love the light in Los Angeles. I love, uh, you know, I am aware, like if I get, I'm always the first person up in the morning and I love, you know, walking out into the kitchen and having, you know, mm-hmm. shafts of light come in. Um, and it definitely gives me a boost um, to start the day. Now, I will also say that being in LA where we have a drought, I also will get a happiness boost when I wake up and it's really dark and stormy Yeah, and there is not light, you know, because what it signifies to me is rain. Right, right. But see, this is exactly the way I think that this Try This at Home can help you become happier, which is like, you can be going at, you know, staggering out, you know, towards the coffee machine mm-hmm. every morning and never even think about the light. You know, it's part of your, it's like yeah. smell. It's part of your experience. It's a ubiquitous part of your experience, but you can key into it and really rejoice in it and notice it and appreciate it. Today it's bright and sunny. Today it's all soft shadows. Today it's dark. Um, and I have to turn on the light in order to, you know, or you could just ignore it. And so I think that like saying, I really, I really want to look at the sky and look at the light. I want to notice the light on the clouds. I want to see how the light is filtering through the leaves. Uh, I want to see how the light is reflecting off that building. You just see things in a different way. And then and you just appreciate them differently and their beauty and their, and their changefulness. Because if you don't pay attention, I mean, I just walk around like in a cloud all the time. It's so hard for me to get out of my head. I'm so absent minded. So I need these like specific things to look for or I can't notice anything. Yeah, it's funny. um, You know, Sarah and I have an office right now that gets a lot of great light. And we're just like obsessed with staying in this office. We're like, we never want to leave this office because it has such good light. Yeah. Well, it's, I just finished this book called Why Time Flies by Alan Burdick. Um, and I did an interview with him on my blog. I'll put a link to it because it's a really, really interesting book. It's about time. But one of the things he talks about a lot is how our internal circadian clock is affected by light. And it turns out sunlight is really, really important to the health of our bodies. It influences all kinds of biochemical reactions. And so light is, you know, on one on one hand, it's kind of this aesthetic thing and this trans, kind of transcendent thing that we can all think about and and tap into, but it's also very healthy for us. Like you talk about early morning light, that's really important for the body to be getting that light. So it's actually making you healthier as well. Yeah, I guess that's why people where it stays um, dark sometimes for, you know, 22 hours a day, I think they have higher suicide rates. Yeah, no, there's also, and there's seasonal affective disorder for people who, you know, who are very, like Eliza's very affected, like her mood is very affected by how long the days are and uh, whether it's a gloomy day, it really does sort of back up on her. But I have to share, because I am obsessed with color, I have to read this beautiful quotation from uh, Johannes Itten, who is one of the, you know, if you're, if you get into color, this, he's a really, really important guy. Um, and he wrote, light, that first phenomenon of the world reveals to us the spirit and living soul of the world through colors. Mm. And I love that. Like you can see the spirit and living soul of the world through light and colors. That's beautiful. So let us know if you do try this at home and whether paying attention to the light, just noticing the light, registering the light, looking at the light um, helped you to be happier. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at com, And this is episode 109. If you want a link to Why Time Flies or anything else, go to happiercast.com slash 109.
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. So, Elizabeth, way back in episode 12, we talked about April Fool's Day and April Fool's pranks, and we got a great idea from a listener you know, if other listeners are looking for ideas for ways to celebrate April Fool's Days, how to build minor holiday traditions into their life, or just generally make April Fool's more fun. This comes from Kim. She says, I just wanted to share my family's celebration of a minor holiday. When my husband was growing up, his family had an annual junk dinner, Twinkies, etc. <laughs> My children love Twinkies. My children, hearing of this, seized on the idea. We tried it for a couple of years, but I had a terrible time remembering when we had last done it. So I finally just decided it would be an April Fool's Day tradition. Now on April Fool's Day, we have junk dinner. This may include hot dogs, chips, licorice for pasta, a mix of candy for a salad, <laughs> etc. What it includes depends on the children's whims, our energy level for creativity, and the ages of my children at that time, now from age six to age 19. So I love that. And I love that she acknowledges that it depends on the uh, energy level for creativity, <laughs> what she actually does. Yeah. No, I just think this is a great idea because it, it, it like one of the things is that something that can be done at any time is often done at no time. Mm -hmm. And um, and so you can imagine also that especially little kids would be trying to get you to do junk dinner like every month. Yeah. Um, so this way it's easy to remember because it's April Fool's Day. It's very appropriate to April Fool's Day because it is it's sort of a reversal. It's like all the rules yeah. are suspended. And in, in one of the things we talk about with celebrating minor holidays is like keep it easy. Like don't 
blow this into Halloween or Christmas or Thanksgiving where there's lots of preparation. And and um, this is easy. It's fun. It's memorable. It's whimsical. And, and it, you know, especially if you're pretty diligent about healthy eating and stuff, maybe it's good to have a day where it's sort of like, woohoo, you know, celebration. Yeah, of course, I'm. my mind is just racing with what I would have in my junk dinner. Ooh, what would you have um, in your junk dinner? I think a Pop-Tart entree, <gasps> Ooh, <for sure>. yeah, <laughs> there you go. Cherry pop, frosted Pop-Tarts. The list goes on. Oh, yeah. Corn dogs, for sure. You can't get a corn dog out of a, except like at a state fair or a, an amusement park, though. I don't know how you have a corn dog at home. Oh, well, they have frozen corn dogs. Oh, they do? Yes. Oh, I don't. I didn't know that. Well, and I have to say about Pop-Tarts, North Platte, Nebraska will always be Pop-Tart flavored for me because the minute we got to our grandparents' house, we were like, let's go to the grocery store and buy Pop-Tarts. And our yes, grandparents we always were. did. <laughs> yes. Happy memories. Yes. Thank, well, thanks, Kim, for that idea. I think that's one I could definitely get Jack to support. <laughs> I love April Fool's Day. I think it is such a fun holiday, but you do have to you have to come up with pranks and that can be that can be uh, that can be a little bit of a stretch. Yes. OK, Gretchen, it is time for a know yourself better. And this relates to our earlier discussion about light in some ways. Um, it's do you like seasons or do you like constant good weather? Yeah, and Elizabeth, you and I sort of embody this because I live in New York City, so I do have seasons. I do have scorching hot summer and bitterly cold winter and fall and spring. And you're in L.A., so you basically, I mean, how much variation is there during the year for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, not much. You know, like (laughs) 50 is probably, you know, the low and, um, you know, 70s is very common. Of course, in the summer, it gets super hot. But yeah, we have good weather year round for sure. Well, the thing is, it's this is an interesting know yourself better question, because I think if somebody like for a lot of my life, if somebody said, would you rather have constant good weather or would you like seasons? I hate the cold. I really suffer from the cold. And I also really like inconvenience. And so I think I would have said like, oh, I would rather have who wouldn't want constant good weather, just because it's easier and it's more pleasant. But you know, mom often remarks how much she enjoys seasons. Like, I'll be like, oh, I heard there was a huge snowstorm in Kansas City. And she'll be like, yeah, but you know, I really like the seasons. And I like a good snowfall. Or I'm like, you know, oh, I hear there was a huge rainstorm. She's like, oh, but you know, I like a rainstorm. I like I like seasons. And hearing her say this over the years has made me realize, you know, I really like seasons, too. And when I'm suffering from the ill effects of a season, I I always think, well, you know what? The thing is, though, I do like the variety. I do like the change. I do like the feeling of nature moving. And um, I do appreciate the seasons more now that I've, I've kind of acknowledged to myself. Yeah, it's a pain to have to wear like a really heavy parka, but it's. It's also nice to have seasons. I like having seasons. Well, it's funny because I thought I liked seasons because, again, mom liked seasons so much. I just assumed I did uh-huh. until I moved to Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And it was just a revelation. <laughs> and I was addicted to good weather immediately. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love having it be 75 um, in February. I never get tired of it. I take pictures of, you know, my dashboard with the temperature and put them on, you know, Twitter saying, hey, it's 75. And it makes me so happy to be in a place with good weather. Well, I remember when you you were shooting that, what was like last year, you were shooting the pilot in New York City and you you had the revelation that 
you had really fundamentally become an L.A. person, that you weren't just like a New York City, Kansas City person transplanted to L.A., but you'd really embraced L.A. And that part of it was just like, wow, I really like the weather. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's funny because those of us who feel that way, like, understand each other, you know? Right. Um, And we really feel bad for everyone else who doesn't have good weather. Like, it just seems, like, so sad to me that other people are just, you know, dealing with negative 17 uh, degree uh, winter while I'm, you know, strolling on the beach. But they might like it, you know, and that's the thing. But it's funny, too, though, because at least you were raised with seasons because, like, one of the funny things when, like, Adam comes to Kansas City yes. for, for Christmas, he's always like, oh, I just need this little jacket. And you're like, mm, yeah. no, man, I don't think that's really going to cut it. Like, it's not his vision of, like, what a bitterly cold day will be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it. They do you get the thin skin when you grow up in L.A. Jack is definitely not going to know how to deal with, um, you know, eight foot snow. Yeah. Um, so I think it is. It's a good thing to know about yourself because it can affect where you live. Like if you're if you're at a point in your life where you're really thinking like, well, I could live here, I could live there. Maybe it's not the most significant thing, but it's not an insignificant thing. If it's important to you, I mean, it's certainly something that you will experience frequently. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, because you grow up in one place, you never think that you have the option for something different, you know, but you do. I mean, like me, it never occurred to me that you could live this other way. And, and, and the reverse is true too. I'm sure there are people who grew up in Los Angeles who would love to, you know, um, have a white Christmas and have all, and, you know, and have Halloween where it's blustery and all of that. So, you can change it. Well, uh, and, and to that point, my college roommate um, had like did graduate school in San Francisco. And one of the things she said she didn't like about it was she said she felt like no time passed. Like mm-hmm. it was very like it, did, it just felt sort of like this weird block of time that had not been actually part of time because the seasons didn't correspond to she'd grown up on the East Coast. And so she didn't like it. She felt like it, it wasn't marking time the way she liked to have time marked. Yes, years do slip by. I will say that. Although one thing about living in a place that doesn't have such distinct seasons, you grow very sensitive to the subtle changes. So you do sort of feel it. But but I totally understand what she's saying. A lot of people feel that way. Well, and I think you can also think about it in terms of a vacation, because if it's really important to you to have like really good weather, then you want to think about, am I going to a place... That's got really consistent. I mean, I think this is very obvious. People think about it. But or maybe you want to go someplace where you're going to experience like a a serious, um, you know, kind of weather. Like we never go skiing because we don't want to go skiing. And also, fortunately for (laughs) me, my husband, Jamie, has a bad knee. So we can't go skiing, which is one of my favorite things about him. Um, (laughs) But I was I'm always like, oh, I wouldn't want to go because it's so cold. I wouldn't like choose to go someplace super cold to go spend my whole day outside. Like to me, as somebody who suffers from the cold, that just I know that about myself now. Yeah, it, it's it's you know it's good to expand. You know, we don't want to say like never stretch your limits, but right. at the same right. time, or you can't nice leave LA. You, <laughs> you can't leave LA because yeah. you can't face having a having a, a down jacket. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to know yourself, and it's good to appreciate like what you've got too. Yeah. And now for a listener question. Uh, One way to reach us is to call us at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And this week, Elizabeth, I think we have a voicemail. Yes, from Trish. 
Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. This is Trish calling. Sorry I'm calling from a cell phone, too, but I have a habit of doing a lot of my calls on my morning commute. Anyway, my questions revolve around putting happiness into context, and so I think that trying to live a happier life requires that it be measurable in some way. And so the question is, is how do we measure happiness? And I think that before we can even answer how we measure happiness, we need to define what happiness means on an individual basis, and that is um, how you always um, explain that we need to have self-awareness. And so how do we go about defining happiness for ourselves, and then how do we measure our happiness? So those are my questions. Can't wait to hear your answers. That's a question for the ages, Gretch. How do you measure happiness? Okay, so first of all, I would say that I... I would say that I bet Trish is a questioner because, mm -hmm. first of all, she's asking several questions and they love definitions and metrics and like they, they want measurement. Like, so that's a very questioner thing. So I'd be curious, um, Trish, if, let me, if you know your tendency, let me know because I'd be curious to know if, if even from this little snapshot, I'm guessing that you're a questioner. But so I write about this in the Happiness Project. And OK, so the question is, like, what is happiness and how do you achieve happiness in your own life? And, and how do you measure it? And how do you measure it? She's really asking about a measurement problem. So when I was working on the Happiness Project, I have a friend who's like scientist type who works at Google. And he was like, you really need to measure this. And you need, you need to have Jamie like score you on a one to 10 scale every morning and night. And you need to graph it. And I was like, uh, one thing that will not make anybody happy is me trying to get Jamie to score me twice a day because he will <laughs> not do that um, for sure. But so this is what I think. And I started my career in law, and so we spent all this time trying to define contracts, define torts, and it, you know, a whole semester would be spent. So I think we really don't need to measure happiness, and we don't even really need to define happiness because ah, you can— statement. Yeah, you can—I mean, this is for lay people. Scientists have something like 15 definitions of happiness, and they need to measure it because they're, like, you know, trying to find these, like, you know, subtle differences. But I think for lay people— it's very distracting. You can just bend yourself up. You know, what does it mean to be happier? And then you get into these apples and oranges situations, which is, okay, okay, let's say I have two people. This one is working at the reception desk at a dentist's office. That's what she's doing. And then this other person is head of the ER in a large urban hospital. Who's happier? It's like, well, if you look at their day, one person might look a lot like there's a lot more happiness and peace, but the other person's happy too, but in a different way. And there might be a lot of frustration and confusion and anger and scare, being scared. But it, it, it's sort of like, so you get into all these problems that become mm -hmm. very difficult to, to grapple with. How do you measure apples and oranges? How do you take into account individual differences? What do people want? What do they value? What kind of people, you know, what's, what's your nature? So I dodge the whole thing and say, what we want is to be happier. You just want to be moving in the right direction, whatever makes you happier. Most people, if you say to them, okay, you're going to make your bed every day. Do it for a week. Does it make you happier? Most people know, like, did it make me happier or not? If it didn't make me happier, why bother? If there's no benefit from it, don't do it. Okay, you've been wanting to make progress on your novel. Try this. Maybe this will help you work on your novel. Does it make you happier? Yes or no? And sometimes, weirdly, another complicating factor is sometimes the things that make us happy don't really make us feel happy. Right, in the moment. Yeah, sometimes we do things because our value is to help someone else or to do something for someone else, even though we don't like to do it. I'm going to visit you in the hospital, even though I hate hospitals, because it's important to me to be a good friend. And so I'm going to show up for you, even though 
I hate every minute of it. I dread it, and I look back on it. You know, so so it gets very very complicated when you really try to nail it down. But I think if you can leave it vague, it's actually very clear. Weirdly, weirdly, which is, and this is the the first splendid truth of happiness. You want to have more feeling good, so more enthusiasm, love, you know, all that. Less of feeling bad, so less anger, fear, resentment, guilt. You want to feel right, which is you want a life that reflects your values. And that's sometimes it doesn't make you feel good to do, ha, do something that reflects your values. It might be a huge pain to recycle. You wish you didn't have to, but you're going to because that's your value. And then there's the atmosphere of growth, which is you want to feel like in some way you're helping someone, you're improving something, you're learning something, you're contributing something, you're helping something grow or get better. Uh, but I think that if you just if you spend a lot of time trying, trying to measure it, you can kind of make yourself crazy. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say is she says, how do we go about defining happiness for ourselves? In, in a way, yeah. what I'm taking from everything you're saying, it's really what you can define are your priorities. Yes. You know, and that will lead to happiness. It's really like, are your priorities spending time with friends and family? Well, then yeah. that will make you happier. I mean, so those yes. are things you can define. You can, like happiness yes. is so amorphous, but you can yes. define what will increase your general sense of well-being. Yes. And I, uh, you're absolutely right. And I mean, I think, again, it gets into this, this question of like people are different because one person's values would be very different from somebody's values. So for one person, having a lot of adventure and spontaneity in their life would be very important. For somebody else, that might be not important at all. So to your question is, okay, well, if that's true, how do you define it for yourself? I mean, in the happiness project, that's basically the whole thing as I was trying to kind of systematically go through and use myself as an example of like, how would a person decide and what would you take into consideration? And there's certain things that are universal, like for just about everyone, relationships, you know, relationships are like the key to happiness, like a super, super important aspect of happiness. So anything that you do that's going to strengthen your relationships is likely to make you happier. One funny thing, though, Gretch, is I'm perceived by some others as being sometimes neurotic, stressed out, anxiety ridden, you know, some people yeah. think I'm pessimistic. Yeah. Um, but like the other Some people. Yeah. The other day I was saying to Sarah, like, oh, I feel so guilty because, you know, there's so many bad things happening in the world, but like I'm so happy. It's like this cognitive dissonance. Mm. Mm. And she goes, You're ha you're so happy? Really? And I said, Yeah. Like, so it's funny, like I feel perfectly yeah. happy. It's just yeah. those other things are just my way. Yeah. Well, no. And that gets into like, again, I think this is why Trisha's question is so complicated, because what does it mean to be unhappy or unhappy? Because you can be unhappy in some way, but happy in others. You can be both unhappy and happy at the same time. Unhappiness and happiness are more like a seesaw than they are like, it's not like a final answer. And then here's the thing that often people feel very uncomfortable thinking about their happiness um, because they feel like, well, how it's, isn't it selfish and, and complacent and self-centered to think about my happiness in a world that's so full of suffering uh, or injustice? But in fact, happy people are more uh, they're more altruistic. They give away more money. They volunteer more time. They're more likely to help out. They're more able to turn outward and think about people in the world. So I think Trisha's question is really important, which is how do we make ourselves happier? That's really important. And in, in, sort of from my observation, like the measurement and stuff of it can sometimes get in the way of mm -hmm. focusing on, you know, the parts that really matter. So basically, that is just one long dodge. Um, <laughs> so we have no answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there is an answer. There are answers. I just don't think that the answers are very helpful. If, if what really what you're interested in is how do, how do I live a happier life? It's like, well, just 
you want to be moving in the right direction, try things and see if they make you happier. I, I just like never know myself. Even if people say like on a one to 10 scale, how, how happy are you at any moment? I have no idea. I can never answer that question. So I think it's hard to measure. Interesting question about the nature of happiness. Thank you, Trish. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up this week with a happiness demerit. Okay, this is a demerit that I have often thought that I have earned, and um, it <laughs> happened to me recently. And I think part of the reason that I get this demerit is because that I work by myself a lot. I spend a lot mm. of time alone, which I like. I like spending a lot of time alone. But what happens is that sometimes then when I get around people, I talk too much because I'm just so excited to be talking to people that mm -hmm. I talk too much. And in particular with this demerit, I was talking to someone who is going through a really, really challenging time in her life. Like on, in many ways, it's a really, really challenging time. And we had this long conversation and I came away from it and I was feeling bad. And I was like, are you, and I was like, what, why am I feeling bad? I'm thinking I'm feeling bad because I just talked too much. Mm. You know, she's really grappling with something. I, I need to listen. I need to be responding mm. to her. I just talked too much. Mm. Um, now I think it's important to talk enough because that's how people feel heard. And they, you know, you want to exchange, you don't want some, people start to feel uncomfortable if they feel like they're, they're talking too much. But really, I was like, oh, I just talk too much. And I realized I often get that feeling. Like, I'll be like, ooh, yeah, I was there, and I just talk too much. So so did you email her or anything and say, you know, I feel like I talk too much, or you just let it go? I just let it go, because even that would have been, like, too kind of self-centered. Like it was asking like, for yeah, yeah, validation. Like yeah, 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 like, don't think it, like, yeah. But I, but, yeah. I, but I did email and say, like, I, you know, it was so great to talk to you. And, you know, what okay. I, I did sort of a closer um, email, but it was something that it's kind of lingered kind of in my twilight of my consciousness as something mm -hmm. that's a demerit. And I think now that I've dragged it into the light and officially given it demerit status, maybe that will help me next time notice in the moment, mm -hmm. like, hey, Gretchen, you're doing a lot of talking. <laughs> Given my nature, it's probably quite possible that I do the same thing. So I'm going to make a point of paying attention. But you're a very I, good listener. I tend to talk. But you're a very, very good listener. Oh, well, thank you. I think you're a good listener. So yeah, but maybe, maybe this is just in your mind. Maybe you didn't talk too much. Yeah, I think I talk too much. But I'm okay. just going to pay attention. <laughs> I'll just pay attention okay. better. Yeah. 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 Okay. So note to self, don't talk so much. Um, Elizabeth, gold star. What's your gold yeah, star? I mean, 
That re- I mean, I'm such an interrupter, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do an upcoming demerit about interrupting. Oh, like that's my big, big problem. Oh, me. me too. All right. My gold star, Gretchen, this week goes to the notion of changing doctors. Oh, yes. Good okay? one. And this comes because I recently changed eye doctors. Mm. I think I might have even mentioned this on the podcast. Yep. You know, I think we go to a doctor and if you go, you know, even just a couple of times, it feels really set in stone that this is your doctor. And we feel like doctors have all the answers and doctors, you know, are people who need to be respected and sort of, in my mind anyway, bowed down to. And the notion of saying, I'm not happy with the doctor, I'm going to change is really challenging for people. Because Mm -hmm. in addition to whatever sort of emotional, psychological issues one might have, it's also a hassle, you know, to find a new doctor, fill out all new paperwork, you might have to get records transferred, you have to build a rapport, you know, all the insurance, the insurance stuff. Yeah, all that issue. Complicated. But I will say I changed eye doctors recently. um, And my eye doctor is very important because I'm diabetic, I have to have my eyes checked to make sure there's no damage, which I'm happy to say I have no damage um, to my eyes from diabetes at this point. But anyway, once I changed, and I realized I was so much more getting what I needed from my new doctor. Mm. I was just so glad and I felt so much more comforted and at peace with where I was, mm. you know, in terms of my eyes. Yeah. And I felt like I had confidence in him moving forward, whereas I didn't necessarily feel that much confidence with the other doctor. Mm. Also, she referred to have saying that only children led lonely lives, which Ugh. just, you know, struck me the wrong way. <laughs> Why is my <laughs> so, eye doctor weighing in on this? Yeah. Um, anyway, so I just want to say to anybody out there who has a nagging feeling that they're not happy with their doctor to, you know, I, I highly recommend changing if you feel the need to change, even if it's hard, it is worth it on the other side. Yeah. Cause having a doctor that you have faith in, I mean, we went to visit a friend in the hospital last week and the doctor appeared and just radiated kind of good judgment, mm. consideration, really knew the patient. Uh, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so much happier about this situation now that I've met the doctor. So it really yeah. makes a huge difference in how how you perceive what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So, again, it's one of those things that might make you unhappy in the moment, <laughs> yes. but make you happier in the long run. Yes. So I'm glad I did it at the urging of my other doctor, Dr. Bush. He got me to do this. So um, thank you to him also for getting me to change doctors. Excellent. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Pay attention to the light. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And I wanted to let everybody know that once a week on Facebook, I do a live video. I kick it off by talking about what we talked about on the podcast. But then it can often turn into something completely unrelated because the the conversation just goes in some direction. It's really fun to connect with listeners there. And so if you are on Facebook or have access to Facebook at about 3 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays, 
join the conversation. Yeah, Gretchen, I love when um, I'm watching you on Facebook Live and I see someone comment they turned off the podcast to watch I know. you on Facebook Live. I know, and I love it when you weigh in. I'm always like, oh, it's Elizabeth. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah no. I it, love I, saying hi. Yeah, no, it's great. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Gretch, I know from my own experience that baby making is not always simple. There is a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And when you want to conceive, there can be a lack of understanding and resources. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from reproductive health to uh, ovulation tracking to conception aid. Frida is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. Frida products are innovative, easy to use, and accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. This is baby-making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, at Target, and select CVS stores near you. That's Frida Fertility, F-R-I-D-A, Frida Fertility.